You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Just attack, attack and bring all kind of calamity and it, it will neutralize us because we think it's God when it is not God at all. And I wanted to clarify some things for the body of Christ. Um, we are not under the old covenant anymore. We're under the new. Jesus has reversed all of the curses and everything that were under the old covenant. And he all judgment fell on him. So that now we are under a new covenant, one of grace, mercy. And he's promised Matthew that he would never be angry with us again. He has no diseases. Jesus took all diseases on him, on his body. So we're going to start in the book of James. James verse 1. And I'm reading from the New uh, Living Translation. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Now, James uh, was writing to the 12 tribes. And why were they scattered? They were scattered because they had been persecuted for following and believing in Jesus Christ. And there was persecution that was coming on them. And some of the things we're going to share, we do not believe that this coronavirus is from God. We do not. He doesn't have any to give. We don't believe that um, this is judgment falling on us. And so there will be some persecution, unfortunately, from other believers who believe otherwise. And so what happened was the 12 tribes of Israel had been scattered abroad. And so um, because of, of their belief at that time for following Jesus Christ. And you will probably experience some persecution as well for believing that this is not from God. In verse 2, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, this sounds strange. This sounds strange. They were following Jesus, believing in Jesus, and yet... Uh, James says, when trouble comes your way, when affliction from uh, a persecution, when it comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, in the natural, it doesn't feel good. In the natural, when you have to say, God doesn't have coronavirus. God doesn't bring disease on people, on his people, on anyone. Uh, there's going to be some pushback. There's going to be, and you think, but God said through James, because all it, scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, but it's an opportunity for great joy. And then he tells us why. So he goes on to say in verse 3 of chapter 1 in James, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now he says, he says, you're going to have an opportunity. First of all, you're promised deliverance. And we're going to look at it again in Psalm 91. We're going to keep going back to Psalm 91. But he promises deliverance. And then he says, and you're going to get something additional when trouble comes your way. At the end of the trial and through the trial, your faith is going to grow. And you're going to 
be to the God's going to bring you to the point where not only did you get your deliverance, but your faith has been built up stronger than ever. He goes on to say in James verse five, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. And we talked about it. There'll be wisdom that God, um, all you have to do is ask. God gets excited when we turn to him and he's the one who has the wisdom. In fact, Jesus is our wisdom. And he says that, uh, make sure that your faith is in God alone. And there'll be natural things that we have to do. Social distancing, which is what we're doing now. Uh, doing this instead of meeting at church. There'll be things that we have to do. Washing your hands for 20 seconds and, and washing them again and, and using wisdom. But at the end of the day, we are to make sure that our faith is not in the natural things that we do. Our faith is in the Lord, uh, our protector, the Lord, our banner. Okay. Right. Yeah, just in the midst of it, you know, um, it's one of the things I was just, my mind was turning while you were talking. Um, you know, our faith is in the Lord. I think there's a, there's a radical side to grace. And I, I appreciate Joseph Prince for saying it. Um, he made a comment years ago. I don't know if he still says it or not. I haven't heard him in a while, but he made a comment years ago. He used to say it all the time that um, if you want radical results, you got to be radical about the, the process. And I'm paraphrasing. Um, if you want my people to be radically transformed, then you have to preach a radical grace. And I think there comes a time where you have to say, okay, you know, don't get me wrong. Like you said, use wisdom. Um, you know, I have a four-year-old son. I have faith. I believe that I'm never going to get it. No one in my family will get it. I'm standing on Psalm 91. That's, that's our foundation for our church. Psalm 91 is our approach to the coronavirus. You know, you know, so where's, where's your stance? Psalm 91, no evil shall befall us. Uh, every disease he's delivered us from. Um, but there's a, there's a time where, you, you know, you look at your four-year-old son, you look at just kind of different your life and you say, okay, you know, the government says, don't meet here. Don't do this. Okay. Right. We're not right. going to, you know, break the law or try to come against the, the, you know, the government or whatnot, whoever is telling us what, what to do and what not to do. Um, Paul went on to say that all authority is put in place by God. So for one, we pray for our leaders, but for two, we're just going to adhere to what they advise. They say, don't go, no, don't go. They say, do this. Okay. Then we'll do that. But at the end of the day, our faith isn't in, you know, it isn't in right. the Purell. It it's isn't not in, in the, the antibacterial, right? Antibacterial <laughs> wipes. God, made, made, God will use those things. We made but our faith jokes. is in the Lord, right? We made a couple of jokes um, on a couple of Sundays ago about you know all the lifestyle in the world won't save you, and I stand by that. All the lifestyle in the world won't save you from this right, disease. Right. The only thing that we have is the blood of Jesus. The only right. thing we have is what Jesus did for us. Right. Um, you know, and the world has the to turn. The communion to, that we just took. Right. Right. The world has to turn to everything that they can. They're doing everything they can to live forever and stay strong. And and. and Funny. Anyways, they're, they're doing whatever they can to get what we have. And we have it by an inheritance. They have it by, or they're trying to get about what they do. And whenever a child of God turns to the world for an answer, I think we miss the point. Um, for believers, that's not our portion. Our portion isn't in what the world can offer us. So again, we, we acknowledge what the world does, what they're asking us to do, because we submit to authority. But at the same time, um, we're in this world, we're just not of it. And so... Uh, uh, you know, what he's saying right here is you can count it all joy. And what we were talking about, too, and you said this, but I just want to reemphasize it. Count it all joy when the persecution comes. We're not saying that this virus is from God by any means. In fact, we are exactly 100 percent the opposite. Uh, we're going to talk a little more about that in just a moment. This is not a trial from God any more than this is an affliction. 
the persecution he's talking about here, and you said that, but the persecution he's talking about again is that there's a group of Jewish people who are saying Jesus is the way. We we have turned, we've converted, we believe that he's the way. And all of a sudden other Jewish people come in and say, Who do you think you are? You know, this is years and generations of God leading us. Jesus is not the Messiah, He's not the one. And so the persecution comes. And out of that, you see the Romans attacking uh, the city of Jerusalem. You see different um, physical things happening. And so the believers are persecuted right along with the rest of them. But as they're all scattered, the 12 tribes of Israel are scattered in those in that scattering, the Jewish believers are even more persecuted for what they have chosen to believe, that Jesus is the way. And in that, James says, let me write to all of you who are being persecuted, wherever you're at in this the scattering, or I think the old school term was the diaspora, um, in the scattering, in your persecution, look, count it all joy, you're being persecuted. And, uh, you know, you can go through to read what we just read, but the point is, while you're being persecuted for what you choose to believe, and I think there's this moment where, you know, I never realized how few of us, and we'll say it that way, how few of us there really are, um, people, not just who are saved, you know, I'm surrounded by people who believe in Jesus, but how many people believe in Jesus and believe that Jesus is not the one who gave it to us? And, it, and, it, and it's heartbreaking. Right. And there's a, another scripture in James. Um, well, follows, before we move on to that, I just want, I'm sorry, not to, sure. but it's just this idea. And I just want to just break down the logic for a second. If Jesus gave it to us, then why should we turn to him to take it from us, to save us from it? Wow. You know, it's yeah. just that logic. Yeah. Again, it's not logical to think he gave it to us. But then in that same book, he tells us by his stripes we're healed. So just the logic of it doesn't make sense. But let's just keep going. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. No, you're absolutely right. There's another scripture in James, and we're still in chapter 1, verse James. And I uh, just wanted to read this to you. Um, the whole chapter, I encourage you to just soak in it. But it says in verse 16, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. Whatever is good, whatever is perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. And I love this because if it's good, if it's perfect, you can rest assured that it came from our Father. He is a loving Father who is willing to give up His only Son. So whatever is good and whatever is perfect, that's what comes from Him. Everything else, the Bible says Satan comes, Jesus came to give life and to give it to us more abundantly. Coronavirus is not giving life. Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's a difference. And um, we don't want to ever attribute something as, as evil and as harmful as a virus to the works of God. Right. You know, you look at... Um, just the, the, the cost or the payment he made to heal us, to bring us into perfect wholeness and perfect peace. Um, you know, it's not like he sent an angel to die for us and said, by, by that, by that angel stripes were healed, it's by his only son. If he paid such a high price to heal us, to me, it's just disrespectful, um, to turn right around and say, but God gave it to us. Not when he did so much to set us so free much, from every sickness and every disease. So again, you know, I just want to be really clear about this. Our stance as a church is for one, this is not from God. For two, the only salvation we have is in Christ, period. You know, the Matthew, salvation. the first uh, scripture, which has been over 30 something years ago, uh, when uh, I gave my heart to the Lord. 
The first scripture that I learned was Isaiah 53, 5. Right. And I'll quote it for you. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And in the Hebrew, Matthew, there's no future tense. There's only past and present. It's either has has emphatically been accomplished or he is in the process of doing it now. But no future. It's a done deal for us. And it was by the stripes of Jesus that we are healed. And I do not want the body of Christ neutralized and not standing on the word of God because they believe this hideous thing is from God. I want them actively standing on the word of God and knowing that through the the stripes of Jesus, it is a finished work. We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Right, right. Well, let's keep moving. I'm I'm following you. Let's keep going. (laughs) You got me on the air. Okay. Um, I was um, in my personal study. um, I've been in Revelation. So if you turn to Revelation, this brought me great comfort the other night. Revelation chapter 3. And so we'll just read, read the uh, entire first half of this chapter. But it brought me uh, comfort. And, and the Lord will answer you. And he has ways of just reaching through and letting you know, I heard your conversation over here and I heard your conversation over there and I know what you've been thinking. And he uses, for me, he uses his word to just address so many things. And I actually had been spending time with my daughter. We had been walking. And I once again, I told her, I said, Carmen, I really miss the fellowship of seeing uh, my brothers and sisters at church. I get such joy and comfort from being around them. And... Uh, you know, something happens when you come together. One one supplies the need of the other. And how God does that, I don't know. But that once again, there's a corporate blessing that comes on the body when we come together. And the Bible says in Psalms that when we come together, there God has commanded a blessing. And so um, I just told her, I said, Carmen, I just miss the fellowship of coming to church and seeing everyone. And so the other night I'm in Revelations. And um, we'll look at chapter three and I'll tell you what the Lord showed, uh, spoke to me. Verse seven, write, to the, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do and I've opened a door for you that no one can close. Some of you are believing for open doors. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. And here's where the Lord began to speak to me. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. It does not say that God is doing the testing. He just says that there's a testing coming upon the whole world. And then he goes on to say, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, 
and they will never have to leave it. And the Lord instantly uh, reminded me of the conversation I'd been having with Carmen, um, how I miss the house of God. And he said, all those who are victorious, I will make pillars in the house of my temple and you'll never have to leave. He was saying to me, Wanda, there's coming a day when Jesus comes to get you that I'll make you a pillar in my temple and you will never have to leave. You'll never have to stay as long as you want to. And he goes on to say, and I will write on them the name of my God and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. And I already love the old Jerusalem, but there's a new one coming. The new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. We have so much to look forward to. So much to look forward to. But he answered my question, why did this come in a day when you won't ever have to leave my house? We were talking about... Um, Psalm 91 and the protection. And we wanted to keep bringing that back to you. And if you'll turn there. We well, want... actually, I'm sorry. Can we detour? Sure, sure. Let's do this. Let's turn to uh, 2 Chronicles 7. Okay. Just detour for a second. You know, you're talking about God's house and, you know, never having to leave God's house. And um, again, I think, uh, let me just be honest for a little bit. One of the things that I was uh, just kind of in preparation for this whole virus. And let's just take a minute just talk for a little bit. So anyways. Kind of in, in light of the virus, the first sermon that I did, I felt the Lord impress on me. I want you to focus on Psalm 91 um, and let my people know they're protected through this whole crisis situation. Let my people know that they're protected. And so about three weeks ago, right before they shut down our school that, you know, our in Charlotte really couldn't meet anymore. Um, the last sermon we did was Protected and Loved. Um, and you can find that on the podcast. But anyways, through that, Psalm 91 was our, our branch out verse. And I really felt strongly that, you know, every Sunday and every Bible study from here on until this thing is resolved, we need to remind God's people and build faith in them that you will be okay. Amen. You're going to be fine. Amen. Um, you have the greatest protection you will ever have in this universe, the protector himself. So anyways, out of all of that, I was just kind of bracing for it. But kind of coming into this Sunday, I almost relaxed, like got a little too relaxed. And um, I knew we were going to talk about protection, but I didn't really think we would talk about it from the angle that we that we were this morning. Um and I say that because I'm surrounded by people that many of them proclaim Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. But at the same time, they do believe that this is from God. Um, or if they don't believe it's from God, they believe that, um, and I hate to say it this way, they may not say it out loud, but they believe that God's not going to help them. They believe that they're in this and they have to do everything that the world is doing. Now, again, I want to be careful. Or else. If they tell you, wash your hands 20 seconds, wash your hands. If they tell you, use Lysol here and there, use it here and there. They tell you don't meet in a crowd of 15, 10 or more. Don't do it. You know, we adhere to the authority that's put above us. Um, or let me say we submit to the authority that's above us. Um, but I almost got relaxed. And you and I, we were just talking about um, before this thing even started, the amount of believers that are still struggling with that simple to me, which or probably to us, which is the simple concept. This is not from God. And we grew up in a word of faith environment. We grew up listening to a uh, great men of God like Andrew Walmet, who came out with the whole, you know, God's not mad at you. You know, <laughs> we that was my upbringing. So to me, Hagen. yeah. So to me, this was not something that we needed to talk about. So to me, I just kind of move this to the side. But this is something we need to talk about because there are so many believers who didn't get that same upbringing, who didn't get that same foundation. They're still struggling with: Is this from God? And not only is this from God, um, is God going to help us? And so, out of that, there was a post that kind of circulated on Facebook. I think some of you might have actually seen it. Um, 
But I want to read this. It's in it's in Second Chronicles chapter seven. Um, let's pick up at verse twelve, and just to give you some context, you were talking about the house in Revelation chapter three. Um, you're talking about the whole house. God says, you know, you'll be here forever. I'll make you a pillar. You'll never have to leave. Well, in the Old Testament, what happened was in this point, what we're reading here, the context is they're in the the promised land. David has died. Solomon has built this new house for God. And so they commemorated. God comes in a vision. He says, ask me whatever you want. He says, give me a hearing heart, which is what we talked about uh, for the theme of this year. And anyways, the day that God appears to them at the temple, the new temple that they built, Solomon's temple, God shows up and he says this. And we're going to pick up in verse 12. It says in verse 12, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Now, again, I want to be really careful. This place he's talking about, he's not talking about us in the new covenant. This is an Old Testament verse, old covenant. Solomon is the king, literally the king. And he had a literal temple. So God is saying this temple right here that you just built, I'm going to name this place. I'm sorry. He said, I've chosen this place as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven, verse 13, there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence or disease among my people. If my people, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, that verse right there, those two verses, I should say, 13 and 14, again, that was the, the thing that circulated the most. And I can't tell you how many believers, and I want to be really careful. Um, I say this in love. Um, if you are one of those people who sent me that, I love you. Um, <laughs> and we probably already talked about it. But I can't tell you how many people sent me those two verses and said, how can you say that this is not from God? Um, I don't know. Have you heard about the uh, the whole the locust video that, sur that surfaced online? I have not. So for anyone who hasn't seen this, apparently in South Africa, it's a common thing for what I've heard. It's a common thing. But this time of year, the locusts come in and they eat whatever is left of some of the crops, something like that. I'm just kind of ballpark. I don't remember all of it. But anyways, there was a video. Someone videotaped it and they recorded it. And it's a picture of a mass amount of locusts coming in. And so anyways, from that video, people took what we're going through. And don't get me wrong, 2020 has been a crazy year. It's been rough. It's been a wild year. What happened in January? In January, something happened. Um... Was it Australia the Fire? I don't remember. I can't remember if it was January Ferry, but, you know, not to throw Kobe Bryant in there, but Kobe Bryant died this year. I mean, Which broke know, my heart. Uh, I mean, the fire, the... I'm the, still praying for you know, I mean, it's just 2020 has been a crazy, insane year. But in the middle of all of that, verse 13, he says something very interesting. There is a famine. He says this, uh, when I shut up heaven, there is no rain. Or command the locusts to devour the land. In that video of the locust thing, that surfaced and made, it was viral. And send pestilence among my people. So you take this verse and you say, okay, these are the three things that we're experiencing right now in this moment. This is from God what we're going through. And it just, I'm going to be completely honest, it just breaks my heart to hear the people who I've heard say it, say it. Because it's not true. Now the reason being is this, what you just said, God doesn't have any more to give us. When you look at what God did through Jesus, I mean, think about what Jesus was. Jesus was an answer to a problem. Think about it. To every problem. He was, he was an answer and God had a problem. And God's problem was, I love you. I love you. I don't want to hurt you. I want to heal you. I want to save you. I want to be a savior to you. I want to be everything you'll ever need. But the problem is the law is in the way. And as long as the law is in the way, your sin has to be credited to you. So it has way, to be punished. Right. And so at this moment, they are under the law. Sin is credited to them. And God is saying, as long as you follow the law, because it's between us, as long as you follow the law, when you sin, I will have to shut up the heaven. 
and make sure there's no rain. When you sin, the locusts will come and devour everything. When you sin, there will be the, sorry, there will be diseases that will come. When you sin. But don't worry, because in this place, if you'll come back to me at this place, I will heal your land. I'll fix everything. And the problem is we take... And all, Matthew, all under the old covenant. Right. And what happens is we take this old covenant principle and we try to apply it under a new covenant reality. And nothing could be further from the truth. Go ahead. And the Bible says, if the old covenant had been sufficient, there would have been no need for the new. If the old covenant was enough, God said there would have been no need for my son to come and ratify and make a new covenant. It was not sufficient. If you could be healed under the old covenant, then we don't need the new one. If you could be healed, I'm sorry, if you could be delivered or protected under the old covenant, then you there's no need for a new one. And yet here we are, the old covenant, like you said, was not sufficient. And that's not our interpretation. That's, that's God's. Bible. That's God's word. That's God's interpretation of what he gave at Mount Sinai is not sufficient. So we need a new covenant. We need a way to say, let's get the law out the way so that sin's not credited to you. And we talked about that last week. Once the law's removed, sin is not credited to you. Now, now I can heal you in spite of you. I can save you in spite of you. You don't deserve it, but that's grace because if you deserved it, then it wouldn't be a gift. It would be a payment. Romans chapter four. So anyways, the whole point I'm trying to make here is this. This verse is not applicable to us under this covenant. It was applicable to them under the old. But I tell people all the time, you need to choose which covenant you want to be under. If you want to be under the old, then be under the old. And at the end of the day, the old will bring you to your knees. It will. And Matthew, the problem with living under the old covenant, if you break one law, the Bible says you are guilty of all. And there has never and never will be a human being who can keep all the laws of God. The only one who could do that and who could fulfill it was Jesus Christ. So it is absolutely absurd to think that living under the old will justify you. It's like Matthew said, it is designed to bring you to your knees, to make you realize I need a savior who was able to keep every and fulfill every law of God. I need a savior. I need Jesus Christ. Right. Right. Now, I want to point out one more thing and then we'll move to Psalm 91, if that's okay. all right. Again, when you're looking at this, he says, I'll shut up heaven. I'll send the locusts. I'll send the diseases and all that. He says, but if you'll come to me in this place and you'll cry out to me, he'll do this. If those who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face. He said, I'll heal from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Keep in mind, for them, it was a physical place. One of the, the catch, I don't say the catch, but the catch part of what you see in the Old Testament is God's trying to bring them to a land, a physical place, the promised land. Sometimes in my notes, I like to write the land of promises. But the reason why I like to do that is this. For them, the land of promises or the promised land was a place. For us, it's not a place anymore. It's a person. We are in the promised land. We are in Christ. And in Christ, we are in the land of promises, so to speak. So again, God is saying in that geographical location, there can be famine. There can be locusts that can devour your crop. There can be diseases. But for all of us, again, we are not on a physical, we're not looking to a physical place anymore. This new Jerusalem he's talking about. Again, we're in Christ and in Christ, every promise from God is yes, amen. Everything that God has for us is not dependent on how good or bad we are. So here in this place, in Christ, there can never be a famine. In Christ, you should never experience a famine. If you say, well, Matthew, it feels like I haven't heard God's, God's voice in a long time. 
hey, look, ask the Lord, is it, do you want me to follow your prompting or am I listening for words? You, you see what I'm saying? Right, there is right. no locust that can devour anything because Jesus took the harvest we deserve at the cross so we could always get the full harvest that he deserves. Right. I mean, you look at the disease. Again, he carried all our sicknesses and carried all our pains. By his stripes, we were healed. So again, every answer to verse 13 is found in Christ. We're not there. And this verse is not applicable to us in the new covenant. So again, we go back to that opening statement. Is this from God? No way, shape, or form. It is not from God. No way, shape, or form. And but we don't want you neutralized into thinking that this this is from God. We want you standing on the word of God, that you are delivered, that uh, Jesus took all of our judgment, and that you are delivered, whether you remember to wash your hands or not, and I hope you do. I try to. But let's say I forget. I am still in Christ. Right. And I am still uh, receiving the promise of deliverance every minute of the day. Right. One more thing I do want to tackle too before we go to Psalm 91. You know, there's this phrase and we'll do it some other time. We'll, we'll do it some other time. We'll go to Psalm 91. But there's a verse. It's not a verse. I'm sorry. There's a saying that we grew up hearing all the time. God is in control. And if I'm honest, I, just being completely honest. I don't you, like to hear that. I'll say honest. I think it's a cop out. I think people say it because they don't want to deal with the reality at some point that he gave them the power of life and death. At and some point. And the Proverbs says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Absolutely. It's what are you confessing? What are you believing? He Absolutely. The Bible says all authority in heaven has been given to him. Heaven and earth has been given to him. And we are in him. We are seated in him as kings and priests. I mean, so yes. again, you have this idea that God is saying, I'm giving you the ability over it. But we all just want to say, well, God's in control. God's in control. And God is looking at you saying, but I gave you the ability to do it. Right. If right. you want to change it, you right. can change it. But right. I, you want me to override what I gave you. Right. And uh, one thing I learned from my manager, who I absolutely, you know, I really appreciate. One thing is once he gives power to someone, he doesn't overstep that authority. Once you have the authority, I'm going to let you deal with it. And I think the Lord is the same way in many ways. I've given you the ability to deal with it. Deal with it. So anyways. Right. And I heard a man of God say one time, you frame your future with your words. Right. And so what are you decreeing? Are you decreeing that you're being judged? Or are you decreeing that you have already been judged in Jesus Christ? And now we get grace upon grace. What are you decreeing? What are you decreeing? There's, there's no way that I'm going to get this because I am the healed of the Lord. I am healed by Jesus Christ 24-7. What are you saying? It's very important. Absolutely. Let's go through Psalm 91, if that's all right. Um, and we'll close on this note. Um, in Psalm 91, Psalm 91, David says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. And we talked about that in our Bible study Friday. My God in Him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare or the trap of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. And I want to pause for a moment and we'll just kind of break this down as we go. Verse three is interesting, always gets my attention because in verse three, he says he will deliver you from the trap of the fowler. A fowl is a bird and the snare is a trap. You know, you, you don't catch a bird by running at the bird. While, you know, if you see a bird on a tree limb, you can't catch him if you just run straight at him. What you have to do is wait for the bird to rest in a spot. And once the bird has relaxed in that one spot, the trap should already be set long before the bird gets there. You don't run at a bird and try to throw a trap on them. The bird will just fly away. And so what he's saying here is this. The enemy knows where you rest and he's trying to set up traps where you rest. You know, uh, let me say this. People who are struggling with believing that God will keep them safe 
And we want to be really careful too. No one should ever feel guilty for not being able to believe that God will keep them safe. Right. You know, we are all growing. We are all growing right. in the Lord. It's progressive. Right. If your faith is God is going to, uh, I need to stay in the house, stay in the house. If your faith is the Lord's going to keep everything at bay, it'll never touch me. Great. Wherever your faith is, that's where you're at. You be there. And don't judge anybody else for having more faith or not having as much as you think that they have. So you know, we leave that alone. Paul made that statement in Romans, I think, 12, 11 or 12. But we won't get into that. But my point is this. Wherever you rest, the enemy knows and he wants to set that trap for you. But right here, look what he says in three, one more time. He says, he will deliver you from that trap and from the perilous pestilence or from the deadly disease. You look at verse four, he says, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you shall take refuge. His truth, what we quoted earlier, his truth shall be your shield and buckler. Don't, I'm sorry, I'm taking over to you. One no, no, I'm okay. enjoying <laughs> Verse five, he says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. Again, there's that word pestilence, the disease that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. In fact, hold on one second. Verse six, he says, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Do you know that Jesus hung on the cross and it was at noon, that three hours of time that all of a sudden total darkness hits. And I just love that, that parallel there because David was saying this 500 plus years before Jesus would come. But he's saying that you won't be afraid of the destruction that comes at noonday. Jesus hung in darkness at noonday so that we could stand in the light at noon. Amen. And the disease that walks in darkness, we are children of the light. In fact, I think that's John who says that we are children of light. The disease walks in darkness. It can't touch us because we walk in light. Amen. And then there's a, we should be resting even at noonday in the Song of Solomon. She says, the Shulamite says to uh, Solomon, show me where you cause your flock to rest in the noonday sun. At the hottest time of the day, when it's, it's, it's the most difficult to survive, the flock of, of Solomon, who represents Jesus Christ, are resting. They're resting. She says, show me where you cause your flock to rest. Right. That's where we rest, noonday sun. Well, we'll finish up with this uh, chapter. Verse 7, he says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Let me say this and we'll close with these last three verses. By saying the, 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 the young lion and the serpent, what he's saying is, I'm sorry, what he is saying is this. What seemed absolutely illogical to think that you would ever walk on a lion or the most deadly serpent that there is at that time, to think that you would step on him and treat them like they were just and nothing. crush him. Right. That's completely illogical. And yet he's saying... My God is protecting you so much that what seems absolutely illogical to the world, you'll do it as if it's nothing. So again, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So you just have this, this, this amazing parallel that God is saying, look, I want you to believe I am protecting you. But we'll close with 14, 15, and 16. 14 says, because he has set his love upon me, and this is, I love this because this in this moment is like Jesus is talking to the Father now. He says, because he has set his love on me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, not just deliver him, but I'll take him and I'll put him up high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And there's that word honor him. I'll point that out in just a second. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
I just want to point this out and then um, take over and we'll finish. Right here, he says this one more time. Verse 14, he says, uh, because he has said his love on me, I will deliver him. I'll set him on high. Then in verse 14, he says, I'll deliver and honor him. One of the beauty, the beauties of going through dark times like what we're going through right now is in this moment for the believer, once you get to 14 and 15, God has already said, I'll, I'll protect you. Once you're confident at verse 14 that God is protecting you, all of a sudden he shifts it and says, okay, now that you know I'm protecting you, because you're letting me protect you, I'm going to go ahead and set you up high above everybody else. Let me say for people who've gotten this far into the show, I know we've gone really long. For anyone who's still this far into this message, if you're believing like us, that God is protecting you in your house, that God is not going to, he's going to make sure that the disease doesn't even make it to your home. If you're like us, you know, you're believing that Psalm 91 is your truth. Let me say this, expect God to elevate you in this moment. Because it's in these type, it's in these types of dark moments that God chooses to take his children and elevate them and show people they belong to me. And one of the, the beauty of uh, growing in grace is we've learned that we can rest. We can exhale. In fact, we should be resting. And where do we rest now? Under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where we're resting. And it, it's a storm raging around us, but it's a picture of us under his shadow, under his wing, resting in the finished work of Christ, completely protected by the finished work of Christ, by the stripes on his back, and by his shed blood. Right. It's a picture of us resting from what is going on around us. Right. Well, that's it. Anything else you want to? No. All right. Well, we love you. We're glad you stuck it so out much. with us. Um, it's 46 minutes, which is 10 minutes shy of what I did Friday, so I apologize for Friday. But no, we're glad you stuck it out with this. And um, we will be doing this every Sunday indefinitely until we are until. allowed to meet again. Again, we are here and uh, submit to the authority above us. That's it. So we're not going to try to push anybody to come. Come on, use your faith. Meet. Let's meet in person. It's all right. Stay at home. There's no distance in the anointing. So um, we love you. And um, do us a favor. If you could comment, like the video, share the video, comment on the video. Um, everyone who already has, thank you. All of it helps because we believe at a time like this, um, people need to hear the grace of God. It's, it's, let me say it like this. It's sad that we have to say it that way, but we have to. In a time like this, it is so important, vitally important that people are hearing the grace of God. So that's it. And if there's any question about is it from God or not, remember in James it says all good and perfect gifts come down from above. Those are the types of gifts that God gives. And it all is ours through his only begotten son. Right. So we're going to pray for you in just a moment. But before we do, I want to say this too. Uh, if you are not connected with us and you'd like to be, uh, to kind of make up for the fact that we can't meet in person, we're going to double down on our emails just so that we can communicate. Uh, we'll do two a week. Um, so we're not spamming anybody's, um, uh, rating anybody's email, but what we're going to do is we're going to communicate through email as much as possible. Um, we're going to try to pick up maybe a Friday night as much as we can to do a little bit of a mid midweek study so we can still connect on that. Um, and again, we'll answer as many questions as we can. If you'll comment, um, through the church Facebook account, not my own, I can't see those questions, but through the church Facebook account, if you comment, we will definitely try to, uh, respond to those as we go accordingly. Um, so that said, thanks again for joining us. Ma, do you want to close this out in prayer? Or would you like you me to close. Do All right, I got you. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone that's uh, able to, to participate in this um, online Sunday, whether it's through Facebook or podcast, wherever or whenever they're getting this. We're just grateful for everyone who could connect with, with us in this way. 
And uh, Lord, we just thank you right now in the midst of this issue and this crisis that's going on in the world. Your promise is protection for all of us. Your promise is favor for all of us. Your promise is that not only will you protect us and show us more favor, but you will elevate, you will honor, Amen. and you will raise us up on high. So, Father, in this moment, I thank you that you're reminding the world that we belong to you. You're reminding the world that we belong to you and that there is no sickness, no disease or any plague that can harm us in Christ. So, Father, in, in this moment, I ask that you would release a fresh, uh, a fresh anointing of peace over everyone's hearts and minds, everyone over, over their hearts and minds to know that they don't have to be afraid. But in this moment, you are taking care of us. And Lord, we thank you for being who only you can be in our lives. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just want to remind the people this song. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.